Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Outreach. That's Outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to humanize communications at scale from automating the soul-sucking manual work that eats up sales time to providing action-oriented tips on what communications are working best. Outreach has your back. It's a great product. The company is filled with amazing people. And I can tell you firsthand, Outreach will make your sales org better. Do yourself a favor and check them out today. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Xvoyant today. The Xvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will change careers in, in, in your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Xvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to these sales success blueprints. Now... Get ready for some sales insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today we are joined by Christy Jones, founder and principal of Sales Acceleration Group. Sales Acceleration Group works with companies to help founders build, grow, and scale their teams by developing process, strategy, and people around the revenue engine. Christy has spent over 19 years as a sales leader in the SaaS space, and her story is super interesting. I'm excited to dive into it with her today because she has helped literally hundreds of organizations increase their revenue growth and customer retention. I'm really excited to have her joining us today. And we're going to discuss how organizations can adapt and continue to grow in these new challenging times. Christy, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Rob, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you join us. I, I think that the topic we're going to talk about today is, is super, super relevant and timely. And, and the idea of acting and thinking like a founder in a startup, I think, has never been more important. And before we dive into it, can you just introduce your, your organization, what you do at, at the Sales Acceleration Group, and, and what you do for the customers that you work with? Sure. Um, I focus in on helping um, earlier stage SaaS founders, not always just SaaS, but mostly. That's kind of my swim lane. So people who've got maybe Series A or Series B funding, or maybe even some, call it heavy seed round. So a lot of those founders are transitioning kind of, again, maybe they were the first sales rep, which is probably the case, but... Now it's time to build and scale out their sales and customer success teams. So I really focus in on three areas when I come in to help people, process, and tools. So a lot of them don't have a formal, formal or scalable process in place. Um, they've been kind of a uh, sales, sales strategy through gut. <laughs> through gut. Yeah. Um, 
they don't have, in some cases, they have a couple of people or they don't have anybody or they don't have the right people on the right seats on the bus. Um, God love most founders. They have a brilliant idea, but they may never have come out of the sales or marketing world. And so um, hiring from the gut has been something that maybe hasn't worked out for everyone. And then listen, we're in the tech space, right? So tools are important and efficiency is important. When you're trying to scale your company and you've only got two or three or four sales reps to do it in and you have, a, you know, VCs that have funded you and board members who want to see results, you don't have time to be doing things um, sometimes in, an, in a manual fashion when we can get, get you up and running in an automated way. So the tools have become important too. So trying to, I, I kind of say I'm a one-stop shop for building, building out those newly, um, you know, newly needed sales teams and customer success teams. And that's one of the things I like about you is that you look at the complete revenue engine. It's not just how you sell, but it's how you retain. So I think a lot of times people focus on one or the other and they don't get both of them working at the same time very well. So uh, that's interesting. I think it's going to be really relevant for what we talk about today. What about your personal story? How would you get started in sales? One of the things that I love to hear is people's stories because I have found very few people that said, I want to be a salesperson when I grow up. I hope to have one of my children someday say that. I'm working hard on it, but I still haven't heard that. Um, how did you find sales? Did it find you? And how did it lead you to starting your group? Yeah, um, I was born into sales. Um, my father I was an owner broker of a real estate company in Kansas. My mother taught uh, English, Spanish, and business for 18 years before wow. uh, deciding to get her real estate license one, one summer um, and never went back. And so I tell people, you know, people, some, most of my friends know my story. A lot of them will remind me occasionally when I, when I, I have low tolerance for stupid. <laughs> That's a hard one to fix, right? I know. I really struggle. But people say, hey, listen, we didn't, not everybody grew up in a, in a, in a business sales family like you did. I mean, conversations around our dinner table, that was when my mother was actually at the dinner table, you know, revolved around listings and buyers and commission and challenges with the business. I mean, we had a very open financial um, situation at my family. We knew what everybody was making. We knew when my dad was and wasn't taking a paycheck so that he could make payroll. We knew what, you know, what commission checks were coming in. Um, people didn't grow up like that. We talked about money openly in my family. So it's no surprise that I've, I've landed where I've landed. My brother is a top account executive with Aerotech Tech Systems. Wow. Has been there 20 years, killing it every year. Um, and so I took that and then I, I tell people, I said, you know, my favorite sales job was waiting tables. And it's still today my favorite sales job. Why is that? Well, where else are, do you get instantaneous feedback on your performance? Right yeah. there on the spot. And so, you know, you know, yes, occasionally you got, you know, you got the jip tip, but, but most times if, you know, I knew that my performance, my income relied on my performance and 45 to an, you know, 60 minutes after I delivered that food, I was going to find out how I did. Um, I would come home at night and I would dump out my apron on the floor. I had this little envelope that I kept all my tips in and I separated out the change and the dollars and everything and added it up. And every night my dad'd be like, how'd we do, you know? That's so cool. <laughs> So, <laughs> That's so, no, so again, like, you know, I, I went from there and then I jumped into, uh, I, I said, I have a journal, journalism degree that I've never used, but in, in fairness, I use it every day because I've got superior writing skills to most individuals and that has become very handy. Awesome. Um, but jumped into, um, retail, into the, into, um, retail space. I was a buyer for Macy's for a number of years. Um, I think the benefit there was I got my first opportunity to really work with female leaders. Hmm. Um, in that environment. So that's one of those unique industries where women can, can you know, work their way up um, the top. And I had several very, very influential female leaders there and just, you know, kind of really honed my negotiation skills. People think that 
being a buyer is very glamorous. And I never got to go to Paris. I never got to go to a fashion <laughs> show. I didn't design anything. Um, what I learned, what I honed there as a journalism major who didn't spend a lot of time in the math room, uh, my analytical skills too, because it's all about having the right piece, the right number of pieces of X in the right sizes, in the right stores, in the right region of the country. And your, you know, I mean, you know, I got, I got bonus on gross profit. <laughs> so if you couldn't make, you know, if you couldn't make that profitability thing happen because you've got the wrong assortment, as we called it in the stores, um, then you got Then I got to use my negotiation skills to go back to Liz Claiborne and beg for markdown money. Um, mm -hmm. People don't know that, but everybody takes a hit when we have to mark something down, uh, both the store and the vendor take a hit on that. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, from there I jumped in and, you know, and I got a little, I got, a, you know, as the retail world started to get a little scarier um, and there were mergers happening and, and again, big box stores were kind of starting to get um, not as profitable. Amazon hadn't really come on full steam there, but I left in 2000 um, and I joined a, an e-learning, we didn't call it SaaS back then, Rob, we called it subscription model. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember it being called remotely hosted as well. Okay. Yeah. So I joined a small privately owned company with fewer than 15 employees, um, an e-learning company. We had our, we built our own learning management system, but we resold other people's content and people said, well, what did you do for them? And I said, well, initially I didn't even have a title. I said, I happen to have known the owner socially and he was looking for more mature help um, as he and a partner had disbanded ways. And I said, if you needed post-its ordered, that was me. If the copier was jammed, yeah, that was me. Um, because the server was just in the closet up the hall and there was no locker key on that. If you needed the server rebooted, yeah, that was me too. So, <laughs> um, but at some point he asked me to stop, start training sales reps, which I had never done before. And so somewhere, you know, around, you know, 2001, 2002, I, be, I became the early onboarder and trainer of sales reps that came in. And then by about 2004, I was, I owned the net new sales team. And by 2005, I was running all the revenue stream, uh, wow. customer success and, um, you know, and the net news. So there, there's no better trial by fire than jumping into a company at that stage. I mean, I called it sitting at the Knights of the round table, seeing the P and L, you know, the owners, owner founder sits across the hall from you, um, you know, I did. It was exactly what I was looking for. I wanted to really understand how a company ran. I never expected to run my own company someday, but I but I loved having my hand in all the cookie jars. And so that was the perfect training ground for me. Cool. Thanks for sharing your story. I love it. I always love hearing people's stories. And, you know, as one of the people that really helped develop how SaaS sales has gone, you were there from the very get go. And you've probably seen a ton of change uh, since that first time you got thrown in the fire. I think that sets up for a really interesting conversation right now because we obviously are in a time where we're seeing things we've never seen. We've, we've seen wars. We've seen great recessions. We haven't seen a pandemic where people just have to lock themselves up and you can't go see people and you know, people aren't going to stores, but people have to figure out how to grow. And sales teams are changing faster than they've ever changed before, at least from my perspective. So that's one of the first things I want to ask. Are you seeing things change? What kind of changes are you seeing? And, and what are your, what's your sense of what you're seeing happening right now? Yeah, it's interesting. I think because I am in the tech space and particularly kind of earlier stage uh, uh, tech startup area, we're already used to being nimble, right? So, I mean, I think that people who Especially are- Especially as a young company, right? Pivoting is oh, massively yeah. important, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, pivots are middle name, right? Yeah. So <laughs> if, if, if this doesn't work, you're gonna have to pivot and we're gonna have to change the messaging and we're gonna have to do all this. So, and you know, in reaching out to my clients in the last week, 
really having conversations with them about what is the message today, but we're used to changing message anyway. And so I said like, hey, we trashed all those cadences that we built last month, right? They're like, well, I'm like, we're trashing all the cadences we built last month. We're changing our voicemail message. We're changing our email message. Um, you know, so we're used to pivoting, but still I think people are not reacting even fast enough. Um, I talked to a prospect a couple of days ago that has a field sales team of 440 sales reps who have wow. never, never communicated with their clients in a, in a, in a phone way, basically they've done some email, um, but they don't even have the technology. I said, what's the video conferencing platform you have? And they go, well, we're looking at a couple. Um, and so it was just a real eye opening situation for me. It came as a referral from an existing client who said, you need someone out of the, out of the tech world, out of the SaaS world to help you do this because you don't have time to be evaluating three of this and four of this and two of this. Somebody's got to come in and tell you buy this, buy this, buy this, and let's get people trained and up and running. Um, I forgot how, I forgot how fortunate we are to have a tech stack. So, I mean, there were certain things, you know, we're definitely dealing with messaging and pivoting on messaging, but we're not trying to figure out how to, you know, how to monitor calls from home. That's for sure. Yeah, so I, that's that's interesting that you say that. I was on the phone with one of the larger, it's a top 10 financial institution in the country. And we were having a similar conversation to what you were talking about with your 440 reps. And uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. And, and he said, yeah, as of, starting on Monday, we have a mandate that 100% of our people have to be working from home. He's like, we've never done that. And he said, so, you know, it started with making sure that everybody was equipped with laptops and then VPN because we can't just have them hit regular internet. It's got to be secure. Yeah. And, and then the conversation very quickly went to, but we're realizing it's not just where they sit that has to change. It's the entire go-to-market has to change because we were used to having people going and calling on small to medium-sized business owners, and they can't go inside their doors anymore because they, those people are at home. So it's not just the go-to-market. It's, it's like you said, you mentioned messaging. I think it's everything. I think primarily for the, our conversation I think the activities and skills that are required to win right now are fundamentally different. I could take one product and you could say over here, I have a field sales team that sells this same product and over here, an inside sales team that sells the same product. They do different things, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I think that right now, I don't care how mature of a company or how new of a company you are. There's never been a time that you have to think like a founder, think like a startup than now. And that's why I think you joining us is so is such a timely conversation because um, you work with companies that have that mindset. So mm -hmm. what kind of suggestions can you, can, you, can you give? We have leaders around the world listening. They're sales leaders uh, uh, and high-impact high, uh, high sales reps also. What are some things that sales leaders ought to be thinking about right now as they figure out how to help their teams win when everything seems to be changing? Yeah, I think one of the things that, that come out of the, the tech startup world is failure is fine, as I call it. Um, most founders, this is not their first venture, by the way, you know, most of these, uh, these men and women are serial, uh, entrepreneurs. And so you're going to have to embrace failure. Right. I mean, and, and, and it's okay. I mean, we're, there's ways, the ways to recover from failure. Right. So don't worry, but you're going to have to try some things that may be uncomfortable for you. You may have to pull the trigger on something when it's half baked. You may have to, um, you know, figure out that maybe somebody's best and brightest use right now, isn't their current job title. And maybe we need to be doing something else. I mean, I talked to a client in uh, Madison and I said, hey, listen, if we need to pull that SDR off for a week, because you know, this was last week, we have to pull them off right now. They can be making client calls. Every single one of those clients needs a phone call, you know, and you have several hundred of them. So 
you know, you have to make those, I mean, and these aren't hard. I mean, to me, these aren't hard decisions. I, I'm saying to people right now, do the right thing. Hashtag do the right thing. Um, be a, I'm saying be a good human and do the right thing. And everybody just, you know, this is the beautiful thing about a startup. Nobody really just has one job. You know, when you have fewer than 100 employees, everybody's doing at least two jobs. I mean, at the same client at Madison, the one of the customer success reps is also writing, writing blog posts every week, right? So we're used to multiple hats, multiple responsibilities, shifting on a dime, trying and failing and getting back and dusting off, getting the postmortem and the lesson learned out of that and moving on. You're not going to have time right now to sit down and, and, and put a committee together to you know, meet over the next three weeks for three hours a week to make a decision and then pull a trigger. We don't have time for that. So get your smartest people in a room and say, I got, we got 60 minutes and we're going to come out with these three answers and we're just pulling the trigger. And if, and if next week we find that that was a bad decision, we're going to do it again. Hmm. So why do you think, why do you think some leaders uh, hunker down and other ones, like you said, like if you're a young company, you expect to do that. Why is it harder for maybe more mature companies with these 400 reps, for instance? Why is that harder to do? You know, part of it, part of it is, is your life cycle stage of your company and what, and where you've been and what you've been doing. I also think, and you and I talked about this earlier, um, a startup's not for everyone's personality. That's so, for sure. Yeah. So I think some of the challenge in more mature companies and the leadership in those companies is they've chosen to work in those type of companies for a reason because they're not as malleable. They don't do change well, you know, change causes rashes. Um, and so, you know, so, but, but I think as a top level executive right now, you do have people in your organization who are innovative, who are creative and PS, they may not be in the accounting or finance or operations department. You may need to go and talk to the people in the development area, in the marketing area. Um, you know, so, you know, I think what I think what we do so well in startups is we take everyone's best talent and forget about their job role occasionally and just let people use their best talent. I think this is the time when senior leaders in more mature organizations and medium and, and enterprise sized companies might need to look around and say, hey, who's got skills that we're just not using or paying for right now because they didn't fit the job role, but would be completely valuable in this time and day and age. I love that. I wrote down a couple of things. I've taken a lot of notes as you talk, Christy. This is awesome. Innovation and creativity reign supreme. I like those words that you said. This is a time where though those are things that are probably more valuable than they've ever been because I think those that adapt best are going to be those that win, right? Yep, that's correct. And so if you are a larger company, instead of being stuck in process and rigmarole, and this is how we've always done it, you actually might have a bigger base of people that have creativity and innovation that maybe you haven't tapped yet. And now right. would be a time to find those things, right? Yes. Um, you know, uh, in, in doing SaaS sales leadership for all the years that I did it before I went out and started the consulting business, I did regularly and, and not regularly as I needed to, but definitely performance review time said to people, what skills do you have that I don't know anything about? Right. Love and it. that, and, and that you would, you would just die to help do X. And, it, and it's funny, a lot of people have writing skills, right? And right now, we need, I mean, I just got off the call with a client in Indianapolis and I said, what have you done for the clients? And they said, what do you mean? We're, ta we're, we're talking to him. I said, no, I mean like webinar. I said, what about setting up an external Slack channel? So right now all of your clients can communicate with each other. They have a, um, they sell a call center software product. And hmm. I said, every one of your key, you know, key influencers, decision makers, the, your day-to-day -day contacts, 
are all dealing with sending call center employees to work from home for the very first time ever probably. And I said, why not give them an opportunity to ask questions with each other and support each other? Um, I'm in a really high add value mode right now. I'm doing it with my own clients. I'm encouraging my clients to do it with their clients. So I volunteered to moderate a webinar. I said, I got four topics right now that we could whip out a webinar in the next 24 hours, um, you know, and get out and push out for your clients to, if nothing else, feel like, you know, we, they have a supportive community, right? I mean, call center managers are, are you know, are, exist everywhere. Let's put them together and help let them support each other. So you just stimulated another thought as I'm listening to you and taking notes. As you're thinking about how you get through this, a lot of what you've talked about is doubling down on customers. Is that the first thing you want to shore up is make sure you keep the customers you have is, or, or, is, or is it equal? Continue to get new ones. I mean, what your thoughts on that right now? No, last week I was shore up existing customers um, and, and see how you can add additional value. Here's the deal. I mean, this is the bucket thing, right? Like yeah. water levels here and then, and, you know, new sales, you know, net new sales have to keep raising the water bucket, but if it's doing this, we're just making it a lot harder. Um, I think it should have been all hands on deck last week for customer contact, um, figuring out how we can, how we can add value. Can we put customers together? Like I said, let's form some communities. What can we do? Um, and, you know, and, and let them know that we're here for them in, in ways that we haven't been. So I'm seeing my customers pivot um, uh, in, you know, I've got a client who, who pulls data together from municipalities and state government to provide to companies to help them reduce risk in their own business via changing laws, as well as opportunities for revenue growth. Yeah. Well, guess what they did? They, they, nobody had it. No one in their profile or in their software system had the keyword Corona or COVID, yeah. right? So they went and added Corona. Corona may have been a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. For me, it would have been Corona light, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, but they went and just, they didn't call anybody and ask. They just added those keywords to everyone's keywords. So if you were out there looking, you know, if you were a, you know, if you were a company that had to win, you know, that had solar energy, you didn't, you know, we just added that to your list of keywords. And so in the event that maybe that impacted you in a way. So, I mean, like I said, the thing that we're doing in startups that we've always been doing is pivoting fast and being nimble um, and in innovating and, you know, adjusting. So, you know, you don't have to call customer. I mean, again, I think larger customers are like, well, we're going to need to send out a communication to the customers and let them know. And we didn't tell anybody. We just did it. Right. <laughs> and we didn't get any complaint calls, by the way, seven days later. Cool. So let, let's talk about a couple of things that make the sales world like live or die. I, I want to address what I think is probably the most important part of, I'm going to, I'm going to shift off of retaining customers. I'm going to shift to sales and new customers, yep. if that's okay. Sure. I think the prospecting motion, how you fill top of funnel is, is the most important skill because yep. if that stays healthy, companies stay healthy. And if that's suspect, the company's suspect. How has that changed? Is, is, is prospecting how you prospect changing right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, in the, in the interest of pivoting and, and drinking my own Kool-Aid and practicing what I preach, yeah. I threw, I threw a webinar together. Uh, I got off a, I'm part of a women's sales, the women's sales pro group that you might be oh, yeah. familiar with. Yeah, no, well, yeah. So uh, we're doing uh, Tuesday support calls, as I'm calling them therapy calls every Tuesday. But but we got our first one pulled together last Tuesday, and, and really the message that came out from everyone was, how do we add value? How do we add value? And so I literally got off that call that happened at 10 a.m. Central. It ended at 11 a.m. Central. I reached out to my uh, newsletter company, my web designer, and said, I want to pull a webinar together for noon on Thursday. What do we need to do? And she's like, send over the copy. And we dropped three emails. So I pulled together a webinar in under 48 hours. Prospecting nice. during, yeah, called Prospecting During Times of Uncertainty. 
um, making the uncomfortable more comfortable. And 110 people registered, 75 showed up in under 48 hours. Congrats. Um, That's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I was, I mean, well, what it told me, like I was, what it told me was we need to, we need help. People want help. They want, they want it. And so I spent 45 minutes, you know, giving some information and I'll give you some of those top tips here in a minute. And then, but I, I said, I'm going to leave 15 minutes open for, for support. So post, you know, like, and people did, they posted in the chat, they what they were worried about, what they were scared about. I had several reps on the call that this was their first week on the job. Oh, wow. And they couldn't turn to Jane at the QB next door and go, how do I do that? How do I handle that? How do I answer that question? Cause they're so working from saying, home now. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about it. Right. All of a sudden day one, you're working from home on onboarding day number one. Yeah. Um, so we, here's what we talked about though. Um, a, and I kind of went back to, you know, a little bit of the, of how I'm handling customers too. But I said, you know, we, so first off, you have to continue to fill top of the funnel. We are right. going to have to sell our way out of this. Right. So can so, I push pause on that? Can I just push pause? I don't mean to interrupt you, but my show I'm going to, cause I want to, I want to dive into this a little more. You said something earlier that I have written down and this is the perfect time to ask. Okay. Okay. You said, turn your freaking sequences and cadences off. Or at least change them. I mean, it, I love how you said we got to keep the top of the funnel. Is now a time for you know mass sequences or mass cadences? No, that was uh, that was tip number four, Rob. You're working ahead. My bad. Uh, but I'm not surprised. You're a bright guy. You're way ahead of it. Game um, back on. Keep going. <laughs> let's jump to tip number four. But tip number four was research and customize. Yeah. Okay. So is it okay to have a te- have some sort of a template so you're not starting from zero with every single email? Absolutely. But now is not the time. I'm not talking about, you know, you know, account-based marketing, right? I'm not talking about ABM. I'm talking about what's relevant right now for that person. Even if you don't know them personally, how do you gather enough information from, you know, the leadership page on the website, their LinkedIn profile. I go to the Twitter account too, because I'm a person that will post, I don't post anything personal on LinkedIn, but I do. If you go to my Twitter page, you know that I'm a huge Kansas Jayhawk basketball fan and that I'm all things NCAA basketball. So that, I'm calling this March, March sadness has hit me very hard. Yeah, it's a tough I'm, one. I'm working through it, but it's not been easy. It's not been easy. Yeah. I live all year for this time of the year. You guys were um, good this year too. Oh yeah, no, we, no. When you go in number one, it's a, it's more painful. Yeah. It's definitely more painful. Um, you guys were good. So, so research and customize, um, address the elephant. I said, address the elephant in the room. So again, if anything, the communication that goes out has to say, um, you know, I understand times are difficult. I understand these are crazy times. I understand this is a big change for you. We have to address the elephant in the room that, you know, not doing that is just that that's a lack of emotional intelligence in my opinion. Um, so let's do those things. I video, 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 video. So is video more important than ever before right now? Ever before, ever before. Here's why we need, we need to be showing compassion and empathy. And one of the ways you do that is, is with eyes and with your, with your gestures and not and people in nodding and saying, I, I'm with you. So empathy equals me too. And I'm not talking about the me too movement. You know, sympathy is, sympathy is poor you. Yeah. I mean, sympathy is poor you, poor Rob stuck at his house. Empathy is, Hey, poor us, poor us. We're going through this together. So empathy equals me too. And so again, it's not about, you know, it's not about you dumping your sad work from home story on your prospect, but it is about, Hey, listen, how are you doing? How's it going there? I mean, I'm starting, you know, and, and people want to talk. I mean, more so last week, I feel like this week I'm not getting as much of that because I did all that last week. But I mean, I was spending 15 or 20 minutes talking to people about how they're juggling their kids or whatever. I mean, um, I told you I just did that webinar, pulled that webinar together. And I said to them, hey, listen, if your kids are on the floor, and I told, I asked everybody to turn their video on. 
I walked in with my video and I said, I want everybody's video on. And I don't care if you have makeup on, your hair's in a ponytail, you're wearing your college sweatshirt. I don't care if you showered, can't smell you. And I don't care if your kid's in the background playing Legos and your, you know, and your dog's barking. It doesn't matter. Like mute yourself, right? But, but the bottom line is we were all, I mean, as I scrolled through 75 people's videos, everybody's at home, right? right. And some people had their kids around and some people had people walking through the video. And I'm like, listen, so, so a video is also going to help let us communicate like, Hey, that's that me too thing, right? Like, Hey, my kid, you know, I had to come down, go downstairs and wake my 20 year old up and say, Hey, I'm getting on a webinar. Can't have you busting in the, the office, you know, when you decide to wake up and you're ready for your omelet. Right. So, you know, so I mean, they, these are different times, right? And so, but video is critical. Um, I, I shared the story with you earlier about the uh, prospect I was talking to a couple of days ago as 440 field sales reps that was, was more than unprepared <laughs> to, uh, to go virtual. And, you know, one of the things, so I, so I popped on my, uh, you know, I had a 4.30 prospecting call with him, popped on, I'm on my video and he goes, oh, we're using video. I go, yep. I go, yep, we're using video. And he goes, okay, so the training's starting now. I go, yep, training's starting now. So he pops the video on. It's a nightmare. Like the lighting's horrible. I mean, everything. He's like, okay, hold on. So he turns the globe light off above on the ceiling. That made it worse. So he's like, so he turns that back on and he closes the curtains and he turns his, his lamp on his desk and he goes, this is better, right? I'm like, yep, this is better. You so know, I'm I glad you brought that up. I want to ask you about that. I've had some people say, oh, I'm uncomfortable on video, or I think video makes the person on the other end uncomfortable. What would you say to people who say that? Because it sounds like you've heard that as well. Yeah, get over it. Um, okay. I, I just don't think in this day and age you can make a personal, I mean, we need to be making a personal connection. We need to be, vulnerability is, is everywhere, right? There's no reason, I'm a big Brene Brown fan, I don't have any worries about talking about vulnerability or shame or any of that stuff. So, you know what, we're all in a very vulnerable position and I think you can see it in my face. And I, you know, I think you can hear it in people's voices, but you can see it in their faces too. And so, you know, I, I went up, you know, again, like, and again, I'm using a little humor, right? When the guy's yeah. like, Oh, we're using video. I go, yep, we're using video. So get the damn camera on, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, he's like, and he's going through some spreadsheets or whatever. And he goes, I can share these. Right. And I go, yeah. I go, he goes, you're going to teach me. I go, yeah. I go, he goes, I go, training's still going on. So go down to the bottom, you know, run Zoom, go down the bottom, click the share thing. He goes, share desktop. I'll go, uh-huh. Well, you know what? Literally like 35 minutes later, he now knows how to turn his damn camera on and how to share his screen. And he didn't know, right? And I now I've got 440 other people to teach. But, um, you know, so I, I, I'm just, I just literally said video is a must on the, on the slide that on that slide. It just is. Yeah, I, I think it's like the only way, especially if you're trying to take a field sales team that now is still in the field because they're just in their house. Right. But they've relied on going and walking in and sitting down in their office and, and shaking hands or bringing in coffee or whatever. Well, That's the big question I, I'm, I'm, help, I'm getting a lot is how do I take a field sales team and make them now a remote inside sales team, right? Yep. And again, and it's, so it's all doable, right? Like, um, it's going to take some training though. I mean, you can't expect, and, and I said to him, out of 440, I'm sure we have a variety of skill sets when it comes to technology, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the other thing, the other big tip I gave at the webinar last week was um, change your ask. I didn't feel like last week was the right time to ask for an appointment. Um, so companies are in three buckets, right? Okay. Those who have benefited, who are thriving because of the product or service they offer, those who are like really still not sure what the long-term implications of this are, and those are in devastation mode, right? So we're gonna, as, as far as prospecting is concerned, we're gonna leave the devastation mode folks alone, and we're gonna go after, but understand that even the thrive people, 
are swamped, right? They're working 16 to 20 hours a day. They may, you, they, they may benefit from what you have to offer, but it's still going to be hard to get them to take a breath so that you can say to them, like, I think I can solve some of the problems that you're having and increase your efficiency, right? Because right now, those books of folks are looking for efficiency benefits, right? Yeah, that makes total middle sense. Guys, the middle guys are also willing to listen and probably have a little bit more time on their hands. But I told people, I said, change your ask, particularly last week, and it may still apply, depending on what part of the country you're in, Rob, right? So not everybody, you know, I mean, we got to be sensitive. I mean, who wants to come to New York today? Not me. Not me. Not me. That's right. So, um, you know, I said, tell them you just want to tell them you just want to put them on the newsletter. If your company was smart enough to put together a Corona crisis webinar with thought leadership that would benefit them, invite them to the webinar. Um, tell them you've got other resources. You've got a white paper or you saw an article that you thought would be interesting or you've got a customer that is similar to them. Would you like me to connect the two of you for, you know, some best practice sharing? And, and hey, Rob, can I just, can we just stay in touch over the next few weeks? I know things are ever changing. Um, I've got a friend that is the COO of an of a Army-based hospital here in Missouri, and he uh, came out of the medical division of the Army before going down to, to help run that hospital, and he says, here's our motto, flow like water. Every day, we're going to flow <laughs> like water. I like it. <laughs> I like so it. The people who are going to win, I think, are going to flow like water, but you also need to be sensitive. And again, like, if your emotional intelligence is high, and I'm hoping that it is, you, you know, again, I think that video helps you read people, right? Like, this is not, I, like, if I can see in your face that this is not going over well, I got to abort. And sometimes, you, you know, if somebody isn't responding to you verbally, you don't know that. So, you know, I'm back to that video thing. Like, it just, it's just critical right now. Yeah, I think that that's really, I'm glad you brought that up because I think video is a big deal. And people that aren't used to doing it this way, at first I see almost every time they're a little uncomfortable with it. And, yep. and there's no reason to be uncomfortable. I, at least I don't think. I think, I think, I think it gives you the best chance to still get the benefit of being a field salesperson while working remote. Yeah. I think there's no better way right now to build a relationship. Yes. We would all like to be face to face in someone's office or taking them out to lunch or to a ball game or whatever. That's just not the reality. So I think there's no better way to build that relationship than over video and maintain that relationship over video. Any tips for people that are using video for the first time that you might say, hey, here's a couple things to have video help you maybe more than you think? Yeah, I think lighting is critical. So um, it's funny, I, the client I was talking to in Indianapolis this morning, he said in the last week, we've been doing these you know, daily stand-ups with the sales team. He said, people have dramatically changed where they're doing those from. Because he said, he said before, he goes, you know, before people were like, would have a window behind them, he said, they look like Jesus. And he says... <laughs> He said, it's just, it's just people just illuminating. They were all dark. And it was just like, it. It was just, there was just a light around them. And he's like, and now they're facing, like they've changed, they've changed the configuration of the office, right? Now they're, so lighting's important, audio, right? So I'm using my yep. computer audio, but if your computer audio isn't good, then you're, you're going to need to, you know, I've got, I had my headset ready just in case. <laughs> so right here next to me in case I needed that. So, yep. you know, audio quality, um, again, like I said, like, I'm just not worrying about, I, I just really, I mean, I'm telling people ahead of time, like, hey, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get dressed up for you. Don't get dressed up for me. Um, I did a training session with a guy in Madison yesterday and he had a button on. I said, but you've got your gym shorts on, right? And he's like, yeah, I got my gym shorts on. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I just knew he hadn't, I just knew he hadn't put on khakis for me. I just knew he had. Yeah. We um, all get the chance to live the life of the newscaster that doesn't have pants on while they're all you see is above the, the, <laughs> the belt, right? Yeah. And I think the third thing is like life happens and we're all at home right now. So like, don't freak out. Like if my kid comes through the door right now, it'll be unfortunate, but I'll give him the look and he'll leave. 
Um, so I mean, like, you know, if the dog barks, if the baby screams, if, if the spouse walks in or whatever, it's totally fine. Like, I think this is what's going to help us make the human connection right now. So I interrupted you before and I made you go from step one to step four. Can you just really <laughs> fast because we're running, we're starting to run low on yep. time already. I'd love our listeners to get your four tips on prospecting. You got number one, you got number four. You might've put them in, but I'd love to have the structure of one, two, three, four, at least surface level. So, you know, they can have those yep. and dive into that. Yep. So I think again, I, I started to say it and then you got excited about the other. We're I did. Gonna have to sell our way out of, we're going to have to sell yeah. our way out of this. So yeah. get with, so wrap your head around the fact that we're going to have to sell our way out of this. And you got to get comfortable with that. Um, shift the prospecting methods, right? So methods have to change. Throw out the pre-corona cadences. Start new ones. Um, you know, again, open up the phone calls appropriately. Thanks for taking my call. I know these are unusual times. Or I know in the current environment, it might be hard for you to consider a new vendor or purchase today. But I'd like to just start to establish a relationship so that we can keep in contact over the next few weeks or months. Um, compassion and empathy, right? Compassion. I already gave you the, the me yep. too thing. So, you know, be a resource, give them resources, customization and research videos, a must. And then, he, and then here was my last tip, Rob, how we handle the call me in May objection. Um, so tell me that one. How, yeah, how do you do that? Tell me, I, want, yep. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. So as a refresher, we handle objections by asking questions. We don't talk our way out of objections. So okay. step number one. So here's my script. Rob, I'd be happy to schedule time to speak with you again in a few weeks. If I could ask you a couple questions right now, though, I may actually be able to determine if there's even a reason for us to need to speak in the future. Would that be okay? Like it. That's it. And we're going to stick to that, right? And tell people, like, two to three questions, and then you abort. And if they go, oh, no, no, it's fine, you know, like, hey, Rob, I told you I asked a couple questions. I, I do think there's a reason for us to keep connected. Or, hey, Rob, based on what you told me at this point, I don't think you're a good fit for our service or product, you know, I'd love to just go ahead and throw you on the newsletter though. Love it. Okay. I got a couple things I want to hit in the, just a few minutes that we got left. Number one, what, what, uh, speaking to sales leaders now, is there anything that a sales leader really needs to be concerned with or think about as they are leading teams that are probably remote now? Is there like mm -hmm. two or three things you got to for sure, make sure you do and get right. I got it. Thanks for the softball question. Yep. yep. Um, expectations. Are they clear? Do people now know what's expected of them? Have expectations changed? And by the way, they should. Expectations okay. should have changed. So have we clearly communicated what those expectations are? And then are we over-communicating everything else? So are we, are we touching them more frequently? Like, again, you're gonna, you were running into them in the office or you were this, that, and the other. And so, like, like are, we on, are we on Slack? Are we on some sort of an IM system? Are we, do we have everybody's personal cell phone? Are we texting them throughout today? I mean, I'm literally just texting people saying, how are you doing? Right. Yeah. I'm just, how are you doing? And so I think what, what I heard on the webinar for the people who were on the webinar last week, when I said clearly communicate, sales leaders need to clearly communicate what the expectations are. And they also need to clearly communicate what the, what the rep can expect from them. So they're now doing a different job. So if, if, if before I was able just to walk into your office and close the door and and dump my drama on your desk is that still okay or we're not in the place for that right now or do you do i need to schedule an appointment now so sales leaders need to communicate what they're expecting from their reps and then sales leaders need to communicate what their reps are now being able to expect from them those are both really good is there a, a trap or two that you think might be easy to fall into i mean is it just the opposite of these that you didn't set expectations and you didn't communicate or is there anything else that jumps to your mind um, I think the, again, I'm going to get soft here on you. I think the emotional health and what people are worried about and what people are going through, 
right? I mean, um, you know, I mentioned earlier um, that my brother is a top sales rep um, at a staffing company in the uh, global staffing company. Well, he has the Ford account, Ugh. right? So, you know, I'm checking on him very regularly. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of uncertainty, but, you know, again, the automotive industry, God love them for being like pivoting, right? They're pivoting. So, but every day is a new day. I mean, he says every Monday I call every client and go, what's this week look like? I said, you're not doing that daily. He goes, it seems like harassment. And I said, I'm telling you between, between Monday and Monday, 47 things have changed. So, I mean, you may go, I go, you may want to get on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, check-in call. It's just as my advice. All right. So, so that, that, that is fantastic. I, I think that's good because I, I think our, our leaders right now realize they've got to do stuff just like the reps are engaging customers differently. Leaders have to engage the sales team differently now, right? They just people have are worried. To. They, yeah. People are worried about things they didn't worry about before. Right. I mean, you know, they, you know, they've got kids there. I mean, every time I'm on a call, I got people, I'm like, Hey, do you have small children? Are you trying to homeschool? Right. Are you trying, are you trying to prospect and homeschool and keep your current clients happy? Because we weren't, pros- we weren't, we weren't responsible for homeschooling before. You're right. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And so there's lots of ways you can have, you can show that empathy and you can connect differently. Now I want to shift to, uh, this is for sales leaders, but it's also for the reps that are listening to you. Is there a skill or two that's more important than ever before for a salesperson? I think it's that emotional intelligence piece. Um, Again, I know that that always isn't always teachable, but I do think. Can you teach that? That's a good question. Can you teach that? Um, uh, I think if you're, no, I don't think you can teach emotional intelligence. I think if you're inclined to have some, you can get more. But I think if you have zero, which probably makes you um, a sociopath anyway, which <laughs> which probably makes you perfect for sales. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, um, I think reps, I think one of the challenges you're going to fall, the trap you fall into is it is me too, but make sure that it really is 75% about them and 25% about you. I do think the meet you part, the empathy meet you part is important. You do need to say, yeah, my kid could walk in at any time, but this isn't the time to say like, yeah, like, you know, I'm worried about my grandparents and, you know, my spouse is a commissioned only rep and what will happen with that. Like, like, you know, there's, there's people you can call for that, but make sure that your prospects, again, we want to, we want to communicate me too without um, turning it into a therapy session for ourselves. I think it's the best way I can put that. that. These are, these are really, really good. Uh, we're, we're, we're at the end of it. I always finish every episode with three questions, rapid fire, three questions fast. I do the same with everyone. It's, it's one of my favorite things that we do. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge you see today and how do you beat it? Um, lack of accountability, lack of holding people accountable and you beat it by holding people, like creating a, a culture of accountability by setting the expectations and then holding people accountable to that. Not everybody's willing to be held accountable and those people need to be addressed. What's the relationship between accountability and empowerment? Now that you went to the accountability, I'm interested to get your, get your take on that. Um, different. Okay. Uh, so accountability is someone's willingness to, you know, do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. Willingness to say, to, I screwed up. I said I was going to do it and I didn't do it. Yep. I screwed up. And then third, I made amends for that. Here's how I'm going to fix it. Hmm. So that's accountability. Empowerment is saying to your reps, I trust you. I believe in you to do the right thing. So in the absence of being able to get a partner, as I call it, I know you're going to do the right thing. So that's, that's me saying, I know your objective judgment is good. 
And in the, you know, if you need to make a decision and someone else is not around and you feel comfortable making it go. I love it. I've always felt like the more empowered your team is, the more, more, the more accountable they can be. Um, so if, if they're part of the plan rather than just doing what they're told, it's easier to have accountability be a positive thing rather than Oh yeah. Buy-in's important. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah I All right. Agree. So that was number one. Number two, when you're interviewing reps and you've helped build a lot of teams, okay. What's your favorite interview question and what are you looking for when you, when you do that topic or question or whatever it is you do? Okay. I have two favorites. Let's one, is e- one is easy. Are you more likely to ask for forgiveness or permission? <laughs> do you care what the answer is? I don't, I want to, I don't, but I want them to be able to explain it. So then I ask the opposite question. So if they say forgiveness and I say, great, when did that screw you over? Oh, I like it. Okay. okay. And That's then my good. other one, then my other one is give me an example of a professional heroic failure. You went to the dry cleaner, you got your superwoman cape. It's all pressed and ready. You put it on because today was the day that you were going to save the city with that big $200,000 deal. That didn't happen. Tell me what happened. Good. Last one. Those are really good ones. We're, we, okay. we, uh, uh, people, those are both really good ones that I uh, appreciate you sharing. I haven't had either one of those ones come through. Last one. We found that leaders are very often readers. And I don't care if it's books that you read, pages you turn, audibles you listen to, or nuggets. I'm on my audible like, right now. There you go. I don't care if it's blogs or podcasts, so it's in okay. bite-sized chunks. Okay. Is there anything you would recommend to our listeners that they – uh, add to their kind of library yep. of things they put in their head. Yeah, I've read some really good books recently. So I'm a big Chris Voss Bo- fan now. So never split the difference. Yep. Great book. I sure. love that one. Yep. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a Brene Brown fan and, and mm. regardless of gender or age, the power of vulnerability is unbelievable. Um, a really the interesting power of vulnerability. That, we haven't had that one recommended. That's, that's, that sounds good. Power of vulnerability. Amazing. And it's, and it's really cool because it's not, it's um, Brene it's Brene on live seminar. Oh, so it's wow. not, a, she's not reading a book. She's okay. literally, they taped a six hour seminar, hmm. uh, broke it up into, it was two days, two, three hour days. It was amazing. Um, the uh, Daniel Pink, when, so it's not what you do, but when you do it, that sometimes makes a big difference. Nice. Uh, and then uh, just re- read Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. I, and again, I meant, when I say read, I mean, listen, you understand. Yep. <laughs> So I think those are like, those are my top, like I'm literally, I have read never split the difference three times. There's a pink post-it right here on my, on my computer that says how, when questions quote, that's right. It seems like, it looks like it sounds like, and those are like, those are what I'm working on coming out of that book. Love it. Those are great suggestions. This has been awesome. The time flew by. I appreciate your, your insights. I mean, really, really good depth. I appreciate that you let me push pause and go down the rabbit's hole and, and okay. not get too flustered with me. Okay. Uh, for, for listeners that want to continue the conversation, maybe they want to talk to you about how they adapt, how they, how they pivot, how they adjust. How do they get a hold of you? How do they get more of your stuff? How do they continue the conversation? Yeah, perfect. So um, again, Christy Jones on LinkedIn, K-R-I-S-T-I-E, uh, Jones at salesaccelerationgroup.com. And then I want to offer your listeners, I, I'm, I'm in a high uh, ad value helping uh, mode right now. So if they go to salesaccelerationgroup.com front slash SLP, there's a form they can fill out for a 20 minute free consultation with me. Ask me anything. Tell me what's bothering you. What's not working. Let's brainstorm together. Let's come up with a solution. So that's sales acceleration group forward slash SLP sales leadership podcast SLP. 
and you'll have information for them. Yeah. yeah. I'll, <clears throat> I'll tell everybody that's listening, check it out. Go hit it. Go give her a look. Uh, Christy, you've had really, really great insights today. I appreciate uh, your, your willingness to share some of the things that you're seeing work and some of the insights as people, because I don't care who you are. I love one of the comments that you made. If you don't have new expectations, you're doing something wrong. And so you better have different things that you're doing right now, because if the strategy is just hunker down and hope if this too shall pass, you're probably not going to make it, right? You're not. No. And again, like I said, my clients in the tech startup world don't have that luxury, right? One, you know, not pivoting could mean the end of the business, right? So, um, you know, so make some, you know, get flexible, make some changes, be more willow than oak. Love it. Okay. Krista Jones, principal and founder of the Sales Acceleration Group, setting all kinds of sharing all kinds of knowledge with us today. Thank you so much, Christy. And like I said to everyone, happy selling. Right. Rob, thank you. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank our friends at Outreach for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast and for helping us showcase great leaders like Christy and discuss tactics on how a sales leader can be most helpful in challenging times like those we are facing today. Because that's exactly what Outreach is all about, helping each person on your team connect with prospects in ways that matter to those you reach out to. Outreach will help you create sales engagement your reps and your customers will thank you for, and they'll do it at scale very quickly. Outreach is built by salespeople for salespeople, and they know how to help you scale. That's why they're a manager and a salesperson's best friend. Now, I hope you found the conversation with Christy as timely and as helpful and as relevant as I did. She helps sales orgs adapt and thrive no matter the economic conditions. And now that we're in the middle of something the likes of which none of us have ever seen, her advice is even more helpful. Now, Christy makes so many important points. And I want to start with this one when she said, and she said it more than once, by the way, we're going to have to sell our way out of this. She said that two or three times. We talked about a lot of ways she thought we could do this. Three of them stood out to me in particular. The first is creativity and innovation. She encouraged us to reevaluate every single part of our business. You know, I'm talking about new customer outreach, new product usage situations, new pricing models, new partnerships that weren't there before. Uh, be the first to change. I want to share a story. I, you guys know me that I'm a, I'm a sports fan, and I want to I want to talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. When he was a sophomore in college at UCLA, going by the name of Lou Alcindor, um, the NCAA made it illegal to dunk. And as a seven foot two center, he had made a living out of dunking. But fortunately for Kareem or Lou at the time, he had a coach, some guy named John Wooden that you may have heard of, and Coach Wooden helped him adapt quickly. And together they worked on a shot that Kareem could count on something they called the sky hook. He went on to win 88 of the 90 games he played, and he won three consecutive NCAA championships. When Kareem got to the NBA, this shot made him unguardable. And because of this shot, he was able to play well into his 40s when he otherwise would not have been able to handle the physical nature of the game. Kareem ended up the number one scorer in NBA history, and his scoring records still stand to this day. So use this time to develop your sales version of the Skyhook. Be the first to reevaluate everything. Christy used video as a good example. You know, it's not okay to not use video on a call. Use videos on the call and, and let's work on the skill of creating a good backdrop. 
how to prepare for that, how to use video the right way, how do I look at the right places. There's a lot of skills that go into using video the right way, and there's a lot that goes into it. So right now is the time for you to be innovative and to be as creative as possible. Try everything. Your customers will appreciate this because they're going through similar things. The second was the idea that failure is fine. If you're going to press the boundaries on everything and be create, both creative and innovative, you're going to sometimes make mistakes. And that's okay. Embrace it. Learn from it. Recover from it. Because if you're not falling, you're not learning. And right now, you want to adapt quickly. Now that takes me to the final one. Number three for Christy was compassion and empathy. I loved Christy's definition of empathy. It was, quote, me too, or I get you. How are you creating me too moments or how are you demonstrating that you really get those that you're talking to? This last week I had a fun opportunity to have a sales competition featuring people from the United States against uh, other professionals from the United Kingdom. It was a fun experience, particularly because the USA just smoked the pants off of Team UK. But one of the things that really stood out was I made a statement that drew a lot of attention, and I've actually had a lot of people reach out to me about. We were asked this very topic about empathy. How do you lead with empathy and have it be authentic? My answer was simple. I said, we are all navigating the same storm. We just aren't all in the same boat. So I want you to think about that. We're all in the same storm, just not in the same boat. So our job is to find out what boat the person's in. It could be a teammate, it could be a prospect, it could be a customer, it could be anyone. We have this nasty storm raging all around us, okay? But that storm is going to impact a rubber raft much differently than it does a cruise ship. So if you want to create Me Too moments, and if you want to demonstrate that you get them, talk about the boat, understand the boat. That's the secret. Now, I'm going to be giving a presentation at the Outreach Unleashed Virtual Summit about some of these topics. I have brand new material. I'm going to talk about how you find that new boat. Um, this is built for the environment we're now in. If you have not registered, do it now and tell them I sent you. Speaking of Outreach, I appreciate their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Outreach is the leading sales engagement for platform. Supercharge your revenue building efforts and check out Outreach today. Your reps will thank you, your customers will thank you, and your team will accomplish more with the resources they have if you add outreach to the equation. Finally, I want to thank Christy for joining me and sharing her awesome insights. I loved the conversation. I loved her willingness to open the playbook that's been so successful. And Christy, it's obvious why you've been so successful helping companies adapt and thrive. Mostly, I want to thank each of you, our listeners. Our show is continuing to grow faster each week. And clearly, people are podcasting in this time right now. I can't thank you enough for the support or the shares. If you liked our show today, please, please, please head to iTunes and give us a five-star review, as this is the best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the very best sales leaders in the world. So here's to being first to adapt. If you do, you won't just th survive, you'll thrive. I wish you all a fantastic week, and as always... Don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com. <laughs>